Thank you, Kenny. Well, uh, without any further ado, I'm anxious to hear uh, God's word from Nicole today. So one more time, would you welcome Nicole Shaffey as she comes. Bethel family, it really is so good to get to be with you. Thank you so much for the great love that you show to us as missionaries and as friends and family. We are so um, thankful for you. And so uh, when I have a chance to get to speak anywhere, I usually like to just talk about what the Lord is teaching me in my life. And um, I don't know if you remember uh, a couple, probably months ago now, I was here on a Wednesday night service and I had the privilege of getting to speak with you all. And I remember talking about perspective. And interestingly enough, Uh, the Lord is still teaching me about perspective. And so that is what I want to share with you today. I apparently am a slow learner. And are there any other slow learners in the room? Okay, good. I'm not alone. That gives me encouragement this morning. And so I am um, honored to get to bring you this message. But before I do, uh, would you join me in prayer this morning? God, you are so good. Thank you so much for the honor it is to worship you with this incredible body of believers. And Lord, we thank you for the ministry that has happened already here this morning. God, thank you for the gifts that you have given the incredible worship team, Lord, and how they use that to lead us in such powerful worship this morning. God, we thank you so much for Pastor Phil and Annette and Lord, how they uh, shepherd and lead this body. God, we are truly blessed to be in each other's company today, but Lord, we are um, most blessed, God, to be with you and in your presence. And so, God, today as we read from your word, Holy Spirit, we ask that you would search our hearts, God, that you would show us uh, your truth, Lord Jesus. And God, we thank you for just the opportunity, God, to spend time with you uh, this morning. And so, Lord, we love you and we pray this in your name, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. So I want to share with you a little bit about kind of what's going on in our life and where the Lord has been uh, teaching us. And so my husband and I, Hater over here, um, we've been renters in Kent for a long time. And if you know anything about um, rent in Kent, uh, those are things that shouldn't go on for a long time. Rent is crazy, uh, high, being close to the university. And uh, we recently felt like it was time for us to try and purchase our first home. So if you know anything about the housing market, right, that might sound kind of insane, right? So we knew because of the complexity of our finances and because of the housing market, um, this was not going to, to work if the Lord wasn't in it, right? And so we decided, hey, we really feel like this is from the Lord. We prayed some specific prayers of God if this is from you, would you make it clear, right? And for us, we need things like extra clear, right? So would you make it extra clear that we would go forward? And we prayed that prayer. We felt like the Lord said, yes, go forth. And so that's what we did. 
And so I have a friend who does vocational ministry as well, and she told me about this amazing lender that she loves that was a Christian. She had ties with the Assemblies of God, and she did um, amazing work for her. And so her name was Cindy, uh, the lender, and we said, okay, great. So we reached out to Cindy, and we were checking our emails like 50 times a day to see, did we get any correspondence from Cindy? What does she say? Is she giving us the green light. And thankfully, um, she called us and she said, good news, you're pre-approved. And so we were like, yes, right? Serious victory. Uh, We were so full of faith. We were so excited. And um, she, she gave us the best news that we could have asked for. So this was on a Monday morning, and that really set the pace for our whole uh, week. And so uh, at that time, right, so we knew we were pre-approved, and we were looking online for homes. And if you've been in the housing market um, at all recently, right, or if you know someone that's been searching for a home, you know that it is wild. And so in our price range at any given time in Kent, there were anywhere between two to four homes that we could buy. <laughs> and so we were like, great, narrows it down, right? It's not hard to make a decision when you only have four options to choose from, right? And so um, we began to uh, dip a little bit in hope, realizing, okay, maybe we can afford a house, but even if we can afford a house, would it be a house that would work well for us? Would it be a house that we actually liked? At that point, it didn't even matter. We, were, we would take anything with four walls and a roof, right, that we could afford. And so we were like, great, um, style's not a even in, in the question at this point, um, but can we do this? And so we, we begin looking, and uh, the next day, right, so Monday, Cindy gives us, Cindy, our lender, gives us the green light, the pre-approval. The next day, my mom, uh, who lives in lived in Kent, uh, owned a home in Kent, asked me to come over and get some Tupperware that she couldn't reach out of her kitchen. And so I come over, and as I'm getting ready to leave, my mom looks at me and says, do you want to buy my house? Wow, right? So this is the very next day. And I sit down for a moment, and I'm like, what? What what did you just say? And she said, do you want to buy my house? You know, I've been thinking about it for months now. I'm ready to sell, and I would sell it to you for this price. Well, that price is the exact price that we got pre-approved for the day before, right? And so I'm like, oh, my goodness, the Lord is in this. And so I went home. I told my husband. I said, we'll give you an answer by tomorrow. And sure enough, right, my husband and I were in agreement, and we said, okay, great. So then I reached back out to Cindy, our lender, and I said, Cindy, great news. You pre-approved us. We already found a house. Like, when can we sign the paper, right? We're ready to go, and this is our first house. We have no idea how this works, right? And so we're like, can we get the keys today? You know, how does this, how does this work out? And all you laugh that own homes, right? And so... Uh, She tells me now, this is on Tuesday, so, okay, great, you found a home. This is the amount you're going to need for a down payment. And I thought, oh, my gosh, who told you? Who who knew there was a down payment? Probably most of you, but I didn't, okay? They skipped that class in high school where they teach you about, like, these things, right? And so, great. I'm like, a down payment. Great, great, no problem. And I'm thinking, you know, 50 bucks, 100 bucks, right? Like, (laughs) this is a pretty, you know, reasonable house. You know, what what do you want? And I didn't know it was going to cost a lot. And so Cindy says, well, it's going to be, you know, X 
amount of dollars. And I said, well, that's great, but we don't have that. So we're, I guess, on standby until we can come up with this money. Now, Something that God has gifted me in a husband is a lot of things. But one is that my husband has extreme faith. And so one time a pastor came up to me and said that your husband's faith scares me because I, should t- I want to tell him to temper it down a little bit because he's so- he believes God for everything. And I'm like, I love that, right? So my husband, when I tell him how much we need, he laughs. And he's like, oh, God will take care of it. And I thought... Okay, yeah, like let's run on your faith, right? Any spouses in the room, like you, you borrow some faith from your spouse sometimes for things, right? So I said, okay, we're going to run on your faith. And sure enough, right, so this is Tuesday. The next day, Wednesday, this is all in the same week, I meet with a lady who mentors me monthly. And I casually bring up to her, hey, you remember how you said that you firmly believed that my mom would sell us her house one day? And she said, yes, of course. And I said, well, you're never going to believe this, but my mom last night offered us to purchase her home. At that, she takes, we're at Applebee's, she takes a napkin, and she pulls out a pen from her purse, and she writes a number on the napkin, and she holds it, and she says, I want you to know that years ago, God told me that I should give you a large lump sum of money. And I always would ask the Lord, when can I do this? When can I do this? And the Lord always said, not yet, not yet, not yet. And she said, I know that God is saying this is the time right? And so she slides this napkin with this amount across the table at Applebee's. And sure enough, it's the exact amount that we needed for a down payment. Wild, right? So now this is day three of this house journey, right? So day one, we get pre-approved. Day two, we get the house. Day three, we get the amount that we need for a down payment. And so in three days, seriously, the Lord answered our prayer. He gave us the financing, the home, and the down payment. And anywhere I went um, that week, I just kept telling people, I have to tell you this story about this testimony that the Lord has done. And so I was preaching a service, and I was like, does anyone have a testimony? I do. And I just told everyone, right? I was like, you know, your testimony is great, but mine's better, right? So I wanted to tell everyone what the Lord has done. If someone at the grocery store would give me two minutes, I was ready to go, right? I was like, let me tell you this miracle that the Lord provided. I wish that was the end of the story. And we all said, amen. And we went home, but there's more, right? And so um, we, my husband and I, I'm a planner. I love to plan things. And we perfectly planned out our move, okay? I like, I knew who was helping us, when they were helping us, when we were packing each room. I, I knew the cleaning schedule. Like, it was a well-oiled machine. And then <laughs> life hit, right? Life hit. And so pretty unexpectedly, my husband's father, as many of you know, passed away. Uh, The day we found out, he boarded a plane to go overseas uh, where he would stay uh, unknowingly to us at that time for a month. Um, Grief set in for him and for us. Our world was turned upside down, and this home that we had stocked so much affection in seemed to not matter at all right? When, when grief hits and when important things like that hit, it's wild when you're confronted with uh, what you've put your hope and affection in, and it's so much less important, right? And so um, 
he was overseas, and now I'm staring at our move date in my well-laid-out plans, and, and I think this is, there's no way this is going to happen, right? And I don't remember um, exactly the moment, but I think it was really around that time, driving back from dropping him off at the airport, where the complaining started. And all of these things that I was so confident that the Lord had laid out, right? Here I am questioning every last one of them. And so anytime someone would listen to me, instead of sharing the miracle of like what God had done and how he provided all these things, I would just complain. Like, did God not know, right? Of course he did, right? But here I am saying, were we off in the timing? It's crazy how so quickly my confidence was just down the drain, right? Did we, I, I asked questions like, were we off, were we off base? Did, did we make this up, right? Have any of you ever been there, right, where circumstances hit and you really question what you were so confident of? And so we moved in, though, by the grace of God and the help of many people. We, we got moved in, and I, I would like to say at that point, um, to my merit, that the complaining stopped, but it didn't right? And so this new place that we had prayed so diligently for somehow continued to bring disappointment. And I was so confused by that, right? The differences between our new home and our old home were so minimal, but yet they were fuel for me to complain, right? One of the things, the water wasn't hot enough. The water pressure wasn't good enough in the shower. And so I remember standing in the shower thinking, at my old place, the water pressure was way better than this. This well water smells like rotten eggs because it really, okay, that really, it's true. Like, it really does smell like rotten eggs. But, right, like, we can still praise God for that. But, like, I was so upset, right? I was like, man, like, our old place was, like, kind of nicer. Like, our old place, right, um, we, we found out we had mice in the kitchen. Oh, can't even talk about that, right? I was so disgusted, right? And I thought our old place didn't have mice, right? All of these things was so complain, just complaining, 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 so petty, but it was all fuel. And so I remember driving and, and it hit me and I, I thought about these two questions, right? When did this incredible miracle become something that I was incredibly critical about, right? When did that happen, right? If I believe that God was providing in all ways, when did this happen? And the second question I asked is, when did I stop seeing this as God providing for me, and I started seeing this as a liability, right? Man, something happened in my heart, and I was disappointed that I didn't have greater faith in who God is and what he was doing. So um, I thought about, as I, I was reading in our Chi Alpha, we were reading um, the first five books of the Old Testament over the summer with our leaders. And so I was reading in Exodus, and I wanted to share with you this morning um, from Exodus and just what the Lord's been teaching me, like I said, and hopefully can provide some encouragement uh, for us to chew on today. And so um, in Exodus 3, 7 through 10, if you have, um, we have the scripture up here, perfect, um, God is speaking to Moses in the burning bush. And God's telling Moses, right, that he's heard the cries of the oppressed people, the Israelites, as they've been enslaved in Egypt. And in verse 7, it says, the Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people in Egypt. I have heard them crying out because of their slave drivers, and I am concerned about their suffering. So I've come down to rescue them from the hand of the Egyptians and to bring them up out of the land to lead them into to a good and spacious land, a land flowing with milk and honey, 
the home of the Canaanites, Hittites, Amorites, Pezzarites, Hivites, and Jebusites. And now the cry of the Israelites have reached me, and I have seen the ways the Egyptians are oppressing them. So now go, I am sending you to Pharaoh to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Right? So we see God's plan begins to deliver his people. We see this unfolding, right? So then we go to Exodus chapter 4. Moses obeys, and he returns to Egypt. And he meets with the elders of Israel and explains to them everything that the Lord has told him and Aaron. And I love this passage um, in Exodus 4. If you look, Exodus 4, 29 through 31, I love this passage so much. It says, Moses and Aaron brought together all the elders of the Israelites, and Aaron told them everything that the Lord had said to Moses, and he performed the signs that God told him before the people. Verse 31 says this, I love this, and they believed. And when they heard that the Lord was concerned about them and had seen their misery, they bowed down and worshiped. Like, isn't that such a beautiful passage, right? God's kindness to them caused their hearts to swell with hope and with joy, and they were confident in the Lord, right? They were confident that he heard their cry and that he had sent Moses and Aaron to deliver them. And so have you ever thought, like, think about, you know, a time, have you ever thought about that, right, where you believe that the Lord has sent you help, right, whether that was through a person or just providing a need, and just the the joy that it brings your heart to feel seen by God, right? God has heard me, and he is delivering me. And so, I wish, again, that the story stopped there, right? And if you've read the book of Exodus, you know what's coming. And so the next chapter, we see Exodus 5, the problems begin to arise. And so Exodus 5 tells us about an angry Pharaoh and his punishment for Moses and Aaron's request. And now he makes the Israelites labor a lot worse. And so the chapter ends in in chapter 5 with verses 20 and 21, and it says this. When they left Pharaoh, these are the Israelites, they found Moses and Aaron waiting to meet them. And they said, may the Lord look on you and judge you. You have made us obnoxious to Pharaoh and his officials and have put a sword in their hands to kill us. Isn't it wild how their perspective changed in one chapter, right? They went from praising God and bowing down to worship because they were so confident of the Lord's provision for them. And when circumstances became something that they couldn't decipher by their human eyes, the very people that God sent to bless them and help deliver them, they're calling down judgment on Isn't that wild, right? And so um, in the dramatic delivery, right, the Israelites uh, coming out of Egypt, we see God, despite all this complaining, right, continue to provide the way for them out, right? He continues to deliver them. And so we remember the plagues, right, that we read about, and yet how no matter what, the Israelites remained untouched. Uh, And even as they left Egypt, we see that God made the Egyptians favorably um, disposed towards the Israelites so that they could leave with possessions. And so there's one more Israelite account I want to look at today, and that is in Exodus 13. 
And uh, this is when they are preparing to journey across the sea that God will part for them. In Exodus 13, it starts by telling us why they're crossing the sea in the first place. So we'll start at chapter, I'm sorry, at verse 17. It says, when Pharaoh let the people go, God did not lead them on the road through the Philistine country, though it was shorter. Interesting. Just take note of that for a moment. For God said, if they face war, they might change their minds and return to Egypt. Verse 18. So God led the people around the desert road towards the Red Sea. The Israelites went up out of Egypt ready for battle. So from our perspective now, reading, right, many years later, we see God is protecting the Israelites by leading them on the path that isn't the shortest, but it's the wisest, right? But think about, just quick pause, right? In the society that we live in, we like things that are the shortest route, right? Like we are a drive through society, right? Where how many of you, if you're honest this morning, you sit at the drive through at a fast food place and you think it's taking too long sometimes, right? <laughs> Me too, right? I'm like, how is this fast food? I've been waiting eight minutes for a full meal, right? We love things that seem to happen quickly. So Let's look one more time back at our Israelites. And so it says this in verse four, Exodus 14, 10. Verse 10 says, As Pharaoh approached, the Israelites looked up, and there were the Egyptians marching after them. They were terrified, and they cried out to the Lord. They said to Moses, Was it because there were no graves in Egypt that you brought us out to the desert to die? What? Right? What have you done to us by bringing us out of Egypt? Didn't we say to you in Egypt, leave us alone and just let us serve the Egyptians? It would have been better to serve the Egyptians than to die in the desert. Wow. Perspective, right? So what, what we can see is that God was strategic in how he delivered the Israelites. He knew the fragility of their hearts, and he knew that their minds might change if they face war. So what did God do? He provided a way to deliver them that would protect them. So God led them in a way that he knew that they would be protected, even though to the human eye it wasn't the most efficient right? The very strategy being used to save their life looked like it would cause death to them. Isn't that so interesting? So we don't know many of the other reasons that God could have chose to have the Israelites take the route that they did. Um, Maybe the Egyptians would have kept pursuing them uh, if they didn't have to get swallowed up in the sea, right? Maybe we would have read more and more stories of this collision between the Egyptians and the Israelites if God wouldn't have done what he did. But when we trust God, that has known the end from the beginning, right? Don't you love that in Scripture where it says that we serve a God that has known the end from the beginning, we don't have to know all of the what-ifs or whys. And I'm not very old, but I will tell you that you will save yourself a lot of trouble if you don't have to know all of the what-ifs and whys because you trust the Lord, right? Not because you have um, some blind faith, but because you have a, a faith that sees God for who he is And you see yourself for who you are, right? Our failing hearts, right? And we know that we can trust God because we ourselves are not trustworthy to make the best decisions for us. 
but we give ourselves to the lordship of the God who is, right? So it's so ironic to me um, that the Lord uses the Israelites to teach me, um, and he continues to do that. I remember as a brand new Christian, I was ready to read the Bible from cover to cover, and I was reading about these Israelites, and I judged them so hard, right? I was like, how can you guys see God do these incredible things in your life and yet doubt him? I would never do that, right, as this baby Christian. I am not me, you know. Thank you, God, I'm not an Israelite, right? I tell you, I was naive. And so it's sad that as an adult, right, I see my heart failing in this way, right? Just like our house, I too am so eager to testify about God's goodness when I can perceive it from the human eye. Right? But when God is rerouting me for my protection, right? when God is working in ways that I may not perceive or I may not understand, my heart is so quick to fail, just like the Egyptians. And so I battle with bitterness and doubt when things take longer than I think they should, or I think that they're harder than I think they should be, or even when God makes me do something I don't want to do, right? We see that in the Israelites too. So there's one last verse I want to share with you today as we um, kind of conclude, and that's in Psalm 25. And so I'll give you a moment to turn there. And we were doing um, a Chi Alpha Bible study over the summer on Thursday nights in place of our service. And uh, we were reading through the Psalms each week. And we came across this one this summer, and it has stuck with me ever since. And so I just want us to read um, Psalm 25, verses 12 through 15. And it says this, Who then are those who fear the Lord? He will instruct them in the ways they should choose. They will spend their days in prosperity, and their descendants will inherit the land. The Lord confides in those who fear him. He makes his covenant known to them. Verse 15, my eyes are ever on the Lord, for only he will release my feet from the snare. Wow, right? Again, as the Lord is working in my life this theme of perspective, I was confronted with this perspective spoke about in the Psalms, right? Um, if you realize, right, um, if your foot is snuck, let's take, is stuck, let's take this um, literal for a moment, right? Let's say you're walking in the woods and your foot is stuck in a snare, right? Naturally, where are you going to look? At your foot, right? At the snare, right? And I thought, oh my goodness. Verse 15, it says, my eyes are on the Lord and only he will release my foot from the snare, right? Psalmist doesn't say my eyes are on the snare, trying to shake it off in my own strength because this snare is painful. It's inconvenient, right? It says my eyes are ever on the Lord for only he can deliver me, right? And so like the Israelites, they were, you know, so preoccupied on their provision and what it should look like that they missed it, right? They were looking at the snare instead of the Savior. And so uh, 
I want us to kind of end tonight, right, by today. It's not tonight. Wow, I feel like I've been up here a long time. I'm morning tonight, I tell you. Wow, I'm used to preaching at nighttime. I'm so sorry. But I want us to end this morning by just taking a couple minutes to examine our perspective. And so I'd like to ask if Jonathan could come up and just play for us a little bit. And, um, yeah, I want to pose just two questions to you this morning, and I want to just give some space for you to ask the Holy Spirit to show you about your perspective. And for some of you in this room, your perspective may be on the Savior and not on the snare, right? And that is amazing. And for some of us, like me, right, that might be a struggle. And so we want to ask the Lord uh, to show us, right, where our perspective is this morning and then give us the strength to trust him for who he is, right? We talked about that today, that we praise God for who he is, that we can trust God for who he he is, regardless of our circumstances. And so I want to give you a little bit to think about these questions, and then I'd like to pray uh, for us this morning. And so the questions that I want us to consider this morning are this. Number one, do we have any blessings in our life that we've forgotten because of the earthly inconveniences or misunderstandings that have followed? Right? Are there any blessings in our life that we've forgotten or maybe not even seen as blessings because of the earthly inconveniences and misunderstandings that followed. And the second question that I want to ask of each of us this morning to have the Lord examine our hearts is that, is God answering a prayer in our lives right now that we're not able to see because our perspective is on the snare and not on the Savior? I'll say it one more time. Is God answering a prayer right now that we're not able to see because our perspective is on the snare and not on the Savior? So let's just take a moment while Jonathan plays and allow the Lord to examine our hearts, and then I'd like to pray. Would you pray with me this morning? God, we praise you for who you are. And Lord, we thank you that we serve the God that has known the end from the beginning. God, thank you that you are trustworthy and you are good. And Lord, that we can trust you even when our circumstances uh, don't seem to make sense. God, would you help our hearts to be strong in hope in you? Lord, that when things seem to be taking a turn for the worse, God, would you give us a heavenly perspective? Lord, would you allow us to understand what you are doing, God? Lord, we thank you um, that, Lord, you work all things for our good and for your glory. And so, Lord, would you equip our hearts to trust you more? 
And God, would you help us to see the blessings that you are providing for us every day? God, that sometimes we get distracted by the misunderstandings, God, or confusing things that follow. But Lord, would we be just renewed in our awe of how you provide for us? And God, would you help our perspective to see how you are answering prayer in our lives, God, even when it's not what we would prefer, or Lord, when it doesn't seem to be the most efficient way. God, we trust you. And Lord, I pray today, God, that you would help us to put our trust in you in even greater ways, in even greater measures. Lord, we love you, and we pray this in your mighty name, Jesus. Amen. Awesome. Thank you so much, Pastor Phil, for letting me speak to your people. What a great word. Amen. We show your appreciation. Why don't you stand with me? And uh, it's been a really good day in God's house today. Amen. Amen. And again, if you'd like, uh, if the Lord's leading you to uh, give a bit of a financial gift uh, to our uh, our guest today, then uh, feel free to drop it in the giving box in the back, and we'll make sure that it gets to them. So I want to pray that God blesses you this week, and uh, let's ask God for him to go before us in all that we do. So Lord, uh, bless our coming and our going. Lord, go before us this week. We may know what lays ahead for us, but God, you do, and our steps are ordered of you. And we pray that we would honor you and please you and bless you by all that we do this week. May we take the word that we've heard today. May we hide it in our hearts so we might not sin against you. And God, I pray that this word would uh, just blossom in our hearts and strengthen us and uh, equip us uh, to live for you victoriously. And Lord, we'll thank you and give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you so much. God bless you. Online crowd, thank you so much. We love you as well. Have a wonderful week. God bless.